You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. Some places are unlucky enough to have their local monsters. Mothman of West Virginia, the Beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin. Well, prepare for a new one with a funny name, but it does seem to be just as hungry and terrifying as the rest. The Old Stinker of Hull. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dark Prevails if you want to experience me being upset at aging and slowly possibly losing my hair. I'm still looking great though, don't worry. Today I've got an assortment of new and scary stories featuring werewolf encounters, skinwalkers, disturbing trees, and staircases in the woods. Enjoy, and be sure to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org so I can narrate them on the show. I'm looking for scary trucker stories. Also, go to eeriecast.com for more scary and free podcasts like this. Now, let's begin. Stinker in the Fields from R.D. in a Hall the following story happened in 2002, in September, just after the film Signs had been released in movie theaters in the UK. For context, at the time, I was a relatively poor student whose only real expense was a monthly subscription membership to the local cinema, which allowed me to watch unlimited movies as often as I wanted, provided they were open and there were showings and seats available. It wasn't a bad deal, I will admit. I used that membership regularly. On the night in question, I had decided, having nothing better to do and being somewhat bored, my university housemates were away visiting family, I would go and see the midnight showing of signs. Yeah, I know, 
I'm already raising typical horror trope red flags, seeing a somewhat creepy movie at midnight. I took what little spare cash I had, went to see the movie, and rather foolishly decided to spend that money, which I should have saved for taxi fare, to instead treat myself to some decent food and drink with which to enjoy the movie. Much better than the sorry half-empty bottle of Dr. Pepper and cheap bag of sweets I'd smuggled in. So when the movie ended, when people were shuffling out to go home just after 2am, I had no other option but to walk back home. Being younger and significantly more foolish, I didn't really think much of this. I really didn't consider that a three-mile walk through relatively long, isolated roads, past a number of fields in the slight chill of the dead night, would pose much of a risk to me. I knew roughly where I was going. It was a simple, straight-line route that I'd gone through by car or bus a number of times before, so I didn't consider it much of an issue. More red flags, I know. At this point, pretty much every horror movie protagonist would be facepalming hard. So I set off, starting down the footpath onto the long road, where there was very quickly no footpath or pavement, just a very long stretch of overgrown grassy verge leading down to ditches, which bordered a built-up wooded area and a number of empty fields. Huh, empty fields, just after seeing a horror movie involving aliens, crop circles, and large crop fields. I will admit, as I walked down that road with the fresh chill in the air, my mind was going that extra creeped out mile, imagining the worst, remembering bits from the movie, and on occasion, looking about to make sure I wasn't about to see a gray shuffling through the crops. You see, the area I live in is something of a strange hotspot for unexplained phenomena including UFO sightings. But thankfully, as I walked down the long stretch of road, there were no extraterrestrial sightings. A relief. But there was something else. The early hours of the morning are generally quiet. You wouldn't expect to hear much more than the odd hoot of an owl or the odd noises of foxes, cats, or hounds from nearby built-up areas. And... As I was walking past a significant wooded area, past a number of ditches and fields, I was expecting to hear something at least, but after about ten minutes of walking, I realized I was hearing nothing. No hoots, no yips, nor growls, no snorts, nothing. I stopped then, looking about, shivering a bit due to the cold air. It felt off intimidating even. After a few moments, I did hear something. A mysterious shuffling sound in the field just across the road from myself. The sound of crop stems crunching, like they were being trodden over by something large. But there was no one else around. Not a car on the road, not a person in the area. Just dim streetlights and a long stretch of nothing. Uncomfortably, I decided to continue on, knowing that I was probably fairly close to the leisure center slash gym that indicated the only real turn of my journey and the start of another long stretch of road, which would eventually lead to civilization. Hopefully, 
whatever I'd heard would be content to stay behind in those fields. Maybe it was a deer. Maybe it was some unseen barnyard critter put out to field that I couldn't make out in the dark. But as I continued on, as I continued to walk, I heard the sounds, the crunching, the shuffling, continuing alongside me. It was still quiet, still cold. The silence was still heavy in the air elsewhere. At this point, I was beginning to pick up my pace, hoping that whatever seemed to be following me would be content to stay in the fields, or even better, stuck there behind the chicken wire fence, tatty barbed wire, and dodgy electric fences that bordered them. But after a few moments, the sounds continued, picking up pace themselves. Now, I know it wasn't me. I wasn't hearing an echo of myself. I was walking in sneakers on a damp, grassy verge. Nothing was going to crunch that loudly, and I certainly wasn't that heavy. I paused again then, looking about once more, peering towards the fields as I slowly kept walking along the verge on the opposite side of the road. It was then that I saw it. The initial sighting is best described as a fairly large black shape moving along the edge of the field. I couldn't quite see all of it. I didn't really have much in the form of a flashlight, and mobile phones back then were, well, dimly lit green screens at best. So I was catching fleeting glances between the overlapping streetlights. It was moving along the edge, moving in the same direction as me. I couldn't quite make out what it was at that particular moment. It was just big and moving with me. Swallowing nervously, I decided to turn and sprint. I reminded myself I simply needed to get to the leisure center, and from there it would be civilization. An abundance of light, plenty of other people, drunks even. But as I sprinted, as my heart raced, I heard it. The shuffling, the snapping, a sound of wire fence rattling and shaking as something climbed straight over it as though it wasn't even a bother. As I ran, I heard the sounds across the road from me where the fields were starting to disappear into ditches, another grassy verge with hedgerows and small bushes as a backdrop as we started to get to housing areas. It was also then that the smell hit, a foul, rotten, sulfurous stench wafting in my direction as the wind blew it down toward me. I gagged and I stumbled, stopping just by the walls of the leisure center. I looked across the way and I could see it more clearly now. A large black shape covered in scraggly fur but with a distinctly canine silhouette. It loped along, going from all fours to upright to all fours at its own whim, and I could hear it panting, sniffing as it looked toward me with gold-red eyes. One thought came to my mind when I saw it. Werewolf. It really did look much like the stereotypical wolfman. But it was also at this point I realized I was in trouble. I was in danger. I was exhausted and burnt out. I could no longer run. I was cold sweating, and this thing was slowly approaching me. But I was at just the junction I needed to get to. Cross the road, 
and I was in built-up areas, able to follow a footbridge to houses, then down the main road to home. Determined to get somewhere, hoping light or at least something would deter the thing following me, I decided to cross the road. Thankfully, this was the moment that I would get lucky. My attention was solely on this creature, so I didn't notice the lorry driving fairly slowly at night, coming round the roundabout, not immediately noticing me either. Thankfully, the driver was not going that fast, so seeing an exhausted man slowly making his way across the road, he was able to stop in time, luckily for me. The lorry stopped, the driver leaning out to shout profanities at me, and I looked at him, trying to apologize. Then I froze. The stinker, the creature, was approaching behind the lorry, but as the driver continued to shout, it seemed the stinker was somewhat put off. There was a loud thunk as it jumped up onto the back of the lorry, causing the driver to stop and look at me. Hey, you see that? Yeah, I see it. I couldn't describe it. I was shook, watching as the driver stood and tried to peer around the cab to see what was now on the roof of the trailer. We both watched the stinker lope along the trailer before jumping down past the driver between myself and the lorry. It looked at me one last time, then darted off toward the ditch in the direction of the river and more importantly, the local drain. Myself and the lorry driver looked to each other, shaking our heads. We both agreed. Probably a, a, a big stray dog. But both of us knew what we saw wasn't right. The rest of my trip home was fairly uneventful. I got in just past 3.30am, clamoring up the stairs to my room to collapse and sleep the following day away. I didn't mention this to anyone. I figured these circumstances were just too many red flags, and nobody would believe. Some 20 years later, after health issues, I decided to embrace my old love of the paranormal, of cryptids, doing some local research out of curiosity. Old Stinker is Hull's local werewolf, having been spotted for a number of decades. Its name comes from the smell, the rotting, sulfurous stench of its breath. It's been spotted along the industrial estates, particularly along the Barnston Drain, where the route I'd taken that night was fairly close to. I'd been hunted by old Stinker, stalked in the cold night, and only escaped due to circumstantial luck. I suppose he thought that one lone student may have been easy prey, but throw in a lorry and an irate yelling man, and it's no longer so easy. For that, I am thankful. I will say that since this encounter, I made it a point to not walk long distances in the middle of the night through lonely back roads. It's one thing to stumble back through built-up areas where there's CCTV on every corner and plenty of people around at all hours be they drunk, homeless, or stumbling home just as you are, opposed to walking back in dead silence through poor lighting, no cameras, and the chance the last things to see you alive might be a sheep or a pony. Shadow Person from Blue Jeans 
I have this friend, who we'll call M, who seems to have had many strange encounters. I have actually been there for a few of them as well. The first one I want to talk about took place sometime in the summer of 2022. I was with my grandma at the time when M texted me about what had happened. She was home alone with her baby brother when, out of nowhere, she heard the voice of her stepdad calling her name from upstairs a few times. She said the voice sounded off, like it was robotic or something. This had freaked her out, which is why she texted me about it. Not long afterwards, she texted me again, saying that right as she was headed for the stairs with her baby brother, her brother said the word, Daddy, or something along those lines. Keep in mind, this was shortly after hearing that voice which came from upstairs, even though they were supposed to be home alone. The second encounter that involved me took place at M's house last September. M has a very large basement, which has about seven rooms. You go down the stairs and into the main room, which has a bar, and there are doorways that lead to other rooms. We inflated this small bounce house for her brother to play in, and it wasn't long before I looked out at the bar and saw the silhouette of a head ducking behind the counter. I told him about this right away, since almost all of our friends who have been to her house have seen something strange. A minute later, I looked back close to the spot I saw the silhouette. It was then I saw a very tall and shadowy figure standing in the doorway of the bathroom which was next to the bar. At first, I thought I was just seeing things, but before I could say anything, M pointed out the shadow figure. We sat there, frozen for a minute, watching the tall man in the doorway. We then took her baby brother and rushed back upstairs. I see shadow figures in the corner of my eyes from time to time when I come to her house. However, the most recent big encounter we had was in January. We'd gone to the gas station to pick up some snacks for a sleepover. We'd walked two and a half miles to and from the store and were almost back at her house. It was close to 5.30pm by this time and it was pitch black outside and very foggy. We could hardly see the sidewalk ahead of us. We were actually pretty fearless most of the way back until we reached the school property which we would be cutting through to get home faster. It was at this point where the darkness actually began to freak me out a bit. M seemed to feel the same way, partly due to seeing my rising distress. We were almost off of school property when, out of nowhere, my fear just rose tremendously. We both really wanted to hurry and get home and quicken our pace, then, when I looked back towards a part of the blacktop that was lit by a streetlight, I saw this tall and skinny shadow person. It was walking in a very strange way. You know how in cartoons the characters will tiptoe so their legs go really high up. It walked like that, but with no upper body movement. At first, I thought I was just seeing things from walking for so long and being so dehydrated. But M saw it too, and also noticed the way it was walking. Anyway, M and I came up with a name to call this thing, which is probably not a very good idea, but whatever. We call it the Windler. Pretty stupid, right? 
Well, there's actually a story behind its name, too. M's baby brother used to have this one toy, which would sometimes speak even when there were no batteries in it. They would say some very strange things, stuff along the lines of, Waiter, this lobster only has one claw. Well, bring the window, man. He's really somebody. My uncle had 1,000 men under him. He's really somebody. It was basically just a really creepy toy. We got the name Windler from the line, Bring me the window, man. We thought window man was too creepy, and we wanted to lighten the mood a bit, which is why we changed it to Windler. I just told him that I was writing this, and she wanted me to also include that she sees the Windler in places other than her home. She says it follows her, and recently, she's been waking up at three in the morning, having nightmares. There are more stories about the Windler that I could tell, but for now, I'm just going to leave it here. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Werewolf or Skinwalker? From Lost Soul J. I was nine at the time this experience happened. I am 21 now. Before I begin, I'll give a little information. Back then, I was living with my mom. We were living in these people's garage, which was renovated into a type of apartment. It was one big space with a kitchen and a bathroom. As you entered the apartment through the door, you entered mine and my mom's bedroom. Now, this door didn't lock. Our apartment was about 30 feet away from the main gate, which was attached to the brick wall that surrounded the rest of the property. It wasn't a very high wall, and there were trees lined up in front of the wall. The yard was big, and there was a swing that was connected to the treehouse, which belonged to the landlord's son. For the sake of the story, let's call him Ethan. Now let me tell you my story. One night, my mom went out, so I was left alone. As far as I knew, the landlords weren't home at the time either. Otherwise, Ethan and I would have had sleepovers or just played together. I decided to sit outside the apartment to enjoy the cool night's breeze. I was minding my own business 
when I got the most dreaded feeling that I was not alone, that I was being watched. I scanned my surroundings to find the cause of this feeling, and finally, my gaze fell on the gate. The street was well lit, and I could see the outlines of the trees, but I couldn't see anything out of the ordinary, not until movement by the gate caught my eye. It looked to be the outline of a head crouched behind where the wall and the gate met. I could not make out much, but I could make out a pair of ears, and I could tell the head was covered in fur. If I listened carefully, too, I could hear panting. Now, my first thought was that this was a dog, but that thought left rather quickly as its head snapped up. Now, I saw a seven-foot frame towering over the wall, and I could see that it was all covered in fur, and it was standing on two legs like a man. Its head then turned to face me, and I could feel my heart pounding. I slowly got up, making my way to the door, and I didn't take my eyes off of it in case it moved. I began to cry in fear and frustration as I tried to close the door without looking for the handle because I didn't want to turn away from this creature. After a few seconds, the beast put its arms on the gate, and I could see the outlines of sharp and long claws. And that was it for me. I looked at the door then, grabbed it, and slammed it closed without another look. I put what little weight I had against it and kept the door closed. I stayed very still and listened closely. I could hear footsteps before long. They were coming to the door, and I began to full-on panic, tears streaming down my face. Then I heard a low growl right outside. I felt it beginning to push at the door, almost enough to open it. The growling grew louder. I know what I did was possibly the worst thing to do in that situation, but remember, I was a terrified child. I screamed at the top of my lungs as loud as I possibly could. The growling stopped, and after a few seconds, I stopped screaming. I thought I could hear footsteps leaving. I waited a long time before quietly moving away from the door and fetching a chair, putting it in front of the door. I then tried to move very quietly, going to the kitchen and grabbing one of my mom's biggest kitchen knives. Then I went to hide under the bed, which faced the direction of the door. I tried staying awake for a while, but from pure fear and exhaustion, I fell asleep. Some time later, I woke up to the sound of the door opening and the chair being pushed aside. I clutched the knife in my hands only to hear a familiar voice and see a pair of ugly pink sneakers that I knew were my mom's. I rushed out from under the bed, leaving the knife there and hugging her. She held me back and didn't even ask why I was under the bed. I could tell she was just exhausted. I decided not to say anything as I let her go to bed, and I made my way to the door to look outside. It was daylight then. I didn't know what time, but I did see my friend Ethan playing on the swings nearby. I stepped outside to look around. Everything seemed fine. Ethan then noticed me, and he waved and called my name. 
I waved back and went over to join him. We talked and played for a while. During that time, I almost forgot about the night before. We then heard his dad calling him. He promised to come play later. Then he ran to his house. I smiled, feeling relaxed. I got off the swing and started to walk back to the apartment. Just before I reached the door, I heard Ethan calling me. I stopped and looked towards his house, but he wasn't there. I was confused. I heard him call me again then, but this time I looked over by the swings. I regretted looking instantly. Right behind our treehouse, next to the swings, stood a tall creature staring at me with sunken dark holes where the eyes should have been. Its limbs were unnaturally long, and its body was thin and gray and looked rotten. I didn't wait around to see more. Was it the same creature as before? If so, what had happened to it between now and last night? I ran inside, grabbing the knife from under the bed, and I was about to slam the door. But as I looked outside again, it was no longer there. I closed the door and stayed close to my mom all night. I never saw anything like that again. I don't even know if they were the same creature or not, but I'd rather not find out. Skinwalker in a Shopping Mall From Gorgamas the Great This allegedly happened to my friend close to Halloween one year. It will be told from their perspective. I'm a security guard stationed at a gigantic shopping mall with a few other security guards. I went off to do my rounds while the others went to do theirs. This brought me into and around shops and around the main part of the mall. Now at the time it was getting close to Halloween and the mall was packed. As I was focused on the task, I suddenly noticed him, this cloaked figure coming towards me. It bumped into me as it passed and I felt something I usually don't feel as a security guard. Fear and an evil presence. I made a call out to it to see if it would respond. Hey, excuse me, I yelled. It didn't acknowledge that I was there, so I followed it to see where it was going. It stopped and turned slightly to see if it was being followed. Then it continued on. But the pursuit was cut short by an elderly Asian man falling down in a shop. I took a moment to help the man up. When I turned back to where the cloaked figure was, they were no longer there. Like it had vanished into thin air. I decided then to go have my break. When I was about to walk through the door exiting the mall, I ran into Rex, one of my friends. Hey, you didn't happen to see this cloaked weird figure walking about, did you? I asked. Rex went white, then said, Yeah, actually, and when I saw it, it was looking at me. We both sat down, thinking it was weird but we really didn't bring it up again. We weren't sure if it was a person in a costume or a member of some cult. I ate my lunch and headed back out afterwards. As the afternoon turned to evening, the people started to thin out and the shops began to close. When everything was dead as a doornail, my night shift began. I hopped on my cart, fired up the belt driver, 
and started doing my rounds on the bottom floor. It was pitch black at the time, and all I had for light was the spotlight on my cart, and it didn't light up much. The darkness wasn't the only thing I was worried about. I still couldn't get the cloaked figure out of my mind, thinking, what if they were in the mall with me still? It was then I heard this sound, like a child's laughter. It seemed to come from several places around me at once, like it was taunting me, like how mischievous little kids do to adults. But the mall was closed, meaning no one should be there. Who's there? I yelled. The laughing immediately stopped, and the mall fell silent again. Suddenly, there was a loud bang from the second floor that scared me. So I headed to the escalator, and I went up to the second floor. As I rounded the corner, I noticed the vending machine was lying down, and I saw a big black mass next to it. Hesitantly, I shone my light on it, and I noticed it was the rear end of what looked to be a bear, a gigantic grizzly bear, bigger than any I'd seen. The thing froze as the light hit it, and it slowly turned its face towards me. The front half of the gigantic creature was more like a bobcat, with glowing red eyes and long fangs. This animal wasn't right. It then rose up on hind legs, standing at about eight feet tall. It held bobcat-like paws out to balance its body. I could feel those red eyes looking right into my soul. Who's there? It said, and some sort of distorted version of my own voice before letting out this god-awful screech. I was done. I jumped into the cart, speeding all the way to the entrance. Then I hopped out and ran outside. I still work at the same mall, and I've never seen anything like it since that incident. The Haunted Hut from Paranormal.pk The story I'm about to tell you doesn't have any concrete evidence to back it up, but it's a thrilling and frightening tale nonetheless, so I thought, why not share it? It was a chilly winter night, and seven school friends had gathered for a reunion after ten years. They'd planned to spend the night at a beach hut. However, in search of a hut to stay, they found that all other huts were occupied due to the peak season. However, they met a man in the area who told them about this hut and gave them the contact number of the person who manages it. Then they went to meet this person and were told they needed to rent a generator and a gas cylinder as the hut didn't have any electricity or gas connections. Ultimately, he agreed to rent the hut to them since the previous booking got cancelled at the last minute. He offered this group the hut for a one-time deal. He then took out his phone and stated, that if they did not agree to rent the place, he would make a call to the other regular renter every Friday. Seeing the urgency in his demeanor, they requested a tour of the property. The owner seemed irritated. He allowed them to view the place, but declined to join them. It seemed like the hut had been unoccupied for a while, but the bathroom and kitchen were well kept. Its proximity to the beach offered breathtaking views, so despite their reservations about it, they decided to go ahead with renting the hut. During their first night at the hut, 
having posted a photo of their stay on Instagram. One of their friends commented on the post, asking to join them, as it had been years since they last saw each other. Eager to reunite, they agreed. The friend asked if they could bring their cousin along, and they said it was fine. As the night went on, the five friends at the hut suddenly heard a knock at the door. Believing it to be the friend they had invited, one of the friends of the group went to answer. However, 15 minutes later, they never came back from opening the door, and they heard another knock. Upon investigating, they were surprised to see their friend from school standing there, accompanied by his cousin. Confused as to where their friend had gone, the one who had originally answered the door, the group was even more worried to see this friend who had just shown up was frightened. They asked if he was okay, and he warned them they should not have booked this hut. Before he could explain any further, they heard a scream and ran towards the sea, where they finally found their other friend fighting off some sort of invisible entity. It looked as if something was sitting on his chest. They quickly began to recite a verse from the Quran and blew on the friend in trouble. The ritual seemed to have worked, as this entity that was on his shoulder seemed to have left. When they inquired what happened, the friend they'd saved gestured towards the recently arrived friend, explaining that when he went to greet him at the door, he'd mentioned that the cousin was parking the car and would arrive in five minutes. He was asked to wait while the other friend went to use the washroom, but when the cousin never showed up, he began to worry. That's when he saw a figure at the beach. Presuming it to be the cousin in question, he approached, but the figure began to laugh in a demonic manner. It pushed him down and sat on his chest. You all saw that, right? He asked the group. They stared at each other, frightened. The newly arrived friend inquired about how they discovered this hut. They told the whole story. To which he asked, Don't you guys know this place is haunted? It's been sealed for years. Many people who stayed overnight here at this hut were found dead, either from drowning or heart attacks. There have even been reports of people hearing strange noises and seeing shadows. Following these incidents, the police sealed off the location for years. One of the group did a Google search and discovered a news article that reported the story of two young boys who had been found dead at that hut in December of 2003. According to the article, four friends went to visit the hut late at night and heard one of their friends screaming for help. When they went to see what was wrong, they found he was already dead. The remaining friends tried to call the police, but the poor cellular reception in the area made it impossible for them to do so. Local fishermen found the body the next day, reporting it to the authorities. When the police arrived, the remaining friends were scared and in poor health. One of them later died from pneumonia, and the other has been in a mental hospital ever since. However, last year, a contractor won a lawsuit and now intends to construct huts in the vicinity, but could not do so because they could not proceed as two of the builder's employees passed away within the last two months under mysterious circumstances. They were shocked to find out that the hut was rumored to be haunted and that many people had died from drowning in the same spot where they'd found their friend fighting the invisible entity. It dawned upon them then why the newly arrived friend and cousin never entered the hut. They tried calling the number to the owner of the place, but the number had been switched off 
They quickly gathered their things, left, and were shaken by the experience. However, upon informing the police about the individual who gave them the keys, they were surprised to learn that he was a notorious local criminal, known for robbery and intimidation. The group would never forget that night, and the lesson they learned, to always research a place before staying there. From that day on, they made a promise to never take any chances and to always be cautious when planning their reunions. The Tree From Alid Lochan For a little background, I'd like to let you know that I'm a very observant person, and I've always noticed things other people don't. When I was about 14 years old, I was helping my neighbor's house, aiding her with whatever she needed done on her farm or anywhere on her property. After a bit of work cleaning up some tree branches, she asked my sister to head down to the house, which was a good 20-minute walk from where we were. Then she proceeded to ask me if I wanted to see something. Being the curious teenager I was, I followed her deeper into the woods. Now, I realized that was a horrible idea, and that many bad things could have happened. When we arrived at what she said was, the tree, it seemed weird, and maybe not so normal, but she had said it with such a look on her face, a look that I couldn't really read, that it unnerved me. It was a tree that was seemingly twisted up with all kinds of tangled up branches. It was stripped of all its leaves, but when I asked about the leaves, it was the middle of summer after all, she said that it had never had leaves growing on it. To make matters worse, there was this twisting staircase that led up to a spot where the twisted branches seemed to lean away from. The staircase, oddly enough, looked to have been well kept. My neighbor said that she had never touched it, and the staircase had never rusted nor looked old by any means in the eight years they'd lived there. I was very unnerved when I saw a camera pointing straight at the tree while I was looking around. I was waiting to ask my neighbor if it was hers or not, but she knew what I was thinking and quickly told me that was her camera and that she used it to watch the tree. As the stupid 14-year-old I was, I asked her if I could touch it. Honestly, who wants to go touch a creepy tree and staircase in the middle of the woods? When I went ahead to go touch it, I closed my eyes and it felt as if the branch was moving under my touch and I swear I began to see something in my head. Visions. I heard whispers too, and chuckling. I saw this figure, solid black with bright blue orbs where its eyes would likely be. I pulled my hand quickly away from the tree and backed up so fast I fell on the ground. I looked up at my neighbor in horror, only to see her matching my facial expression. She was still looking at the tree so I looked back at it too. The tree had moved. The branch I was touching was now twisted in the opposite direction. I was still on the ground, scurrying backward, but I suddenly started to giggle manically while tears began to pour out of my eyes. I got up and I felt my hair being pulled. I was so terrified. My neighbor and I just ran back to the barn where she stored all of her family heirlooms and things of the sort. We were completely silent after that. We never spoke of it. Not then, 
even as my sister was back from the house after getting water, and never afterwards. I haven't told anyone except for one of my best friends about this, and she was skeptical, but she never told me that she didn't believe me. She never said otherwise. All in all, she was at a complete loss for words. I have never been back into those woods, and I hope no one ever finds that thing again for the sake of everyone's sanity. Something in my neighbor's garden. From Bex Riggs. Let's get one thing clear. I've always believed in ghosts. It's not just how I was raised, but it's simply how I feel. And this one experience I had a few years ago only solidified my beliefs further. It happened when I was in my early 20s, still living with my parents. They live in a nearby seaside village with a population of around 100 people. It was very small, very rural. I worked as an office supervisor for a nearby inn, and because of the industry I worked in, I often worked later into the evening, and I would have to walk home in the pitch dark. Though that would normally seem very dangerous, like my city-raised bosses like to remind me, it truly is such a quiet and peaceful place that nary a crime happens there. Plus, I didn't have a driver's license, and it was only a 20-minute walk at best. Anyway, like I said, I'm a big believer in the supernatural, which you'd think would make a woman like me terrified at the thought of walking alone at night. But no, I loved walking home at the end of the day. I looked forward to putting my torch on, putting in my earphones to listen to music, happily strolling my way home. But that would soon change. One night, I was walking home around 11pm. I decided to put my earphones away for the evening, enjoying the simple pleasure of listening to the crashing waves on my journey home. It was delightfully soothing. Eventually, I turned right into the lane that led to my house, which was right at the dead end of the lane. So, as I was walking along and much more aware of my surroundings, as I didn't have music playing, the street lamps no longer lit the way, and I had to get my torch out again. Now, while it was dark enough to need to get some extra light on for safety, I could still easily make out the silhouettes of the houses and most details of their front gardens. I started to walk by a large wall on my left that I knew surrounded a really lovely neighbor's property, which meant I was halfway home. That's when I saw it. I turned up the brightness of my torch, but kept it facing in front of me. There was a woman standing in the middle of the neighbor's yard, behind a waist-height grassy bank. She reminded me of a typical librarian. Hair in a top bun, long old-fashioned white dress that covered her arms and legs, and glasses that hung below her neck on a necklace. She looked no younger than 55 at least, and barely had any color to her complexion. And she was staring right at me. Now here's the thing. I know the people that lived in that house, and not one of them looked like this woman that was standing there. And what made matters even scarier was that they had moved out of that house about a month prior. The house was up for sale. No one was living there. So who was this woman in their garden? I was frozen in fear. My rational mind tried to kick in for a split second, 
telling me that it was another neighbor, one that was maybe confused and lost. A lot of people that moved into this village were in retirement and over the age of 60. But I knew in my heart that this woman, this person, was not among the living. This was quickly confirmed when I then watched as she stepped through the grassy bank, walking through it as if it wasn't there, like it was water she was wading through, like how a ghost would move. I gasped. Terrified to even move an inch, I grabbed my phone, torch still on, and called my mother immediately. There was no way that I was walking the rest of the way home alone after seeing that. Breathless and panicked, I told her everything. My mom's like me in every sense, and she could tell I wasn't pranking her nor being silly. She could tell there was genuine fear in my voice. She agreed that she would come and grab me straight away. The woman, the ghost, was still there. She was standing still as a statue, now in front of the grassy bank, eyes fixated on me. Her face was expressionless, unreadable, which honestly freaked me out even more. Eventually, I saw a light coming down the lane that indicated my mother was close. I could just about tell that she had also brought one of our dogs with her. Dogs are not only great ghost sniffers, but they bring me great comfort, and my mom could tell I needed it. Feeling more safe with my mother only 30 seconds away from me, I glanced back at the neighbor's garden. The ghostly woman had vanished. Typical, I thought. Right as my mom was coming to my rescue, the ghost was gone. And now my mom had finally caught up to me, golden retriever at her side. As we walked back up together, I did notice that my dog, Misha, was looking solely to her left as we continued. She didn't avert her gaze until we were almost home. That was very unlike Misha, as she was a well-trained dog, easily the best out of the now five dogs that we have, and usually liked to look ahead or look at whoever was walking with her. But no, she had been transfixed on her left, the same direction that I had seen that woman. No growling, no barking, nothing, simply staring to her left constantly. I stayed awake with my mom for a while, drinking however many warm cups of tea it took to finally calm my system. Having witnessed a few things similar in my lifetime, I was prepared to brush it off the next morning, not even think about it, to forget she even existed and just move on. But I would see her again. The next night, around the same time, the exact same woman, same ghostly appearance, only in a different neighbor's yard one that was much closer to my home. I beelined straight for my house and went directly to my mother again. Being the wonderful and weird mom she is, she had many friends that were, best way to phrase it, in tune with the other side. One of them I knew actually did spirit writing. So I asked my mom if there was any way her friend could find out some information about this woman I've been seeing, to see if she was, uh, friendly or otherwise. Mom agreed and messaged her that same night. A couple of days went by, and I saw the ghostly woman again, standing in one spot in another neighbor's garden, this time even closer to our house. Thankfully, we got a call from my mom's friend. Let's call her Wendy. 
Wendy said that she had asked these spirits about this woman that was haunting my walks home from work and that it was clear this ghost was not evil. In fact, she was supposedly friendly, wanting to look out for me. Apparently, she had been a nanny before her time came and lived to look after children. Allegedly, that's what she was trying to do for me, look out for me, making sure I made it home safe. Now, even though I am a believer, that doesn't mean I constantly want to be watched by this old ghostly woman that, quite frankly, scared the crap out of me. Wendy laughed when I told her this, and basically said to me that I need to let the ghost know that. She said I should sit alone in a room somewhere and kindly ask aloud for her to stop, and that if she was there and answered my question, I would just know. Even though I was slightly terrified to try this, I decided that I would do just that. I waited until my brother and both my parents were fast asleep. It was around 1am. I went into the living room, turned on every light I possibly could, and sat down in my mother's armchair. I sat there silently for a while, wondering what I was going to say. Eventually, I spoke out very clearly. I'm calling out to the woman that I've been seeing on my walks home from work recently. I've been told by a friend who you are, and I know you don't have any ill intent, but I have to tell you that seeing you on my way home frightens me more than it comforts me, so I'd like to kindly ask that you leave me be. Absolute silence. Nothing happened, so I spoke out again. If you're truly here, I want you to make yourself known. Do anything, touch my left cheek, for example. I kid you not, the moment those words left my lips, I felt a cold shiver stroke the left side of my face. My mouth dropped, and there were immediate tears in my eyes. I couldn't believe it, bearing in mind it was a very still night, and I had no windows open, no fans blowing. In fact, I even had the fireplace on, so the room was really warm. But that cold feeling on my cheek was unmistakable. In slight disbelief, I asked something of her again, this time really quietly. To make sure I'm not crazy and also to ask that it's okay that you leave me alone from now on, could you please touch the other cheek so I know this is real? Sure enough, my right cheek received the same cool sensation, which caused all my peach fuzz to stand on end. Not knowing what else to do or say, tears rolling down my face, I whispered, thank you. I then quickly ran off to my room to watch something cheerful on TV, and I fell asleep not long after. Whether it was my brain playing tricks on me or something else entirely, I'd never experienced anything quite like that, and I never saw the woman again. Bump Under the Bed from Crimson Queen 7737. Growing up, I was never really allowed to go to other people's houses, since my mom got lonely when my brother and I left. Not because dad wasn't home, but she genuinely enjoyed us kids being around. Since I stayed home most weekends, my brother and I always had friends come stay the night with us. Most of the time, it was pretty much the same friends, but every now and then, we invited different ones over. One night I'd invited two of my friends over. These two didn't stay a lot, but they would come over from time to time. 
My brother, on the other hand, was a lone ranger that night, as he didn't have any of his friends over. As children do, of course, we stayed up way past our bedtime, joking, laughing, and just goofing around. I should add here that I am a lover of all animals. Of course, I usually had the ones that aren't really approved of, so at the time I had some pet mice. I had two that stayed in a cage on my dresser. I'd had these two mice for several months. They were very healthy, playful, loving, and happy. This will be important later. That night, my two friends and I, let's call them A and S, were finally settling down for bed around 2.30 a.m. Everyone else in the house was already sleeping, so I had my door closed. As we lay in bed talking about anything and everything, we heard a knock on my bedroom door. The knock seemed low and normal, so of course I didn't think much of it. I got up to see if it was my brother. As I opened the door to look, no one was there. I just thought my brother had snuck up and knocked on it, trying to aggravate us. I closed the door back and got back in bed, and we continued to talk. A few minutes later, we heard the knocking again, but this time it was louder. I tried to hurry and get up to jerk open the door, absolutely believing that my brother was going to be running back down the hallway to his room when I looked outside. But as I jerked the door open, no one was there. I slowly walked over to my brother's room to peek inside. I wanted to see if he was still awake. When I looked in, he was sound asleep, snoring. I ran back to my room then, telling my friends that my brother was sleeping. We all immediately got scared. I got back in the bed and we pulled the cover up to our necks. We lay there, praying we didn't hear it again. After a few more minutes, the knocks came once again, but this time they were so loud I knew it had woke up everyone in the house. The knocks echoed through my room and my door shook. This time, none of us wanted to get out of bed to see what was going on. I knew I needed to look though, so slowly, cautiously, I got out of bed and I crept to the door. I opened it ever so slowly. I did not expect what happened next. Suddenly, this huge white floating fog flew into my room and right through me. I was mortified. I slammed my door shut and jumped straight back in bed. We threw the cover over our heads and started to cry. Suddenly, it felt like a full-grown man sat down on all our chests and we couldn't move, scream, or talk. After that, I don't remember anything else except for waking up the next morning trying to figure out what happened. I looked around my room then to see if anything was wrong or if someone was in there but it had been several hours, so whatever was there surely was gone by now. I came up to my dresser and checked on my mice. Unfortunately, one of them had died. I tried to find out how that happened, because they were so healthy and lively before. Sadly, a few days later, I found the other one had also passed, and I can't help but think it was whatever had visited me that night that caused it. I'm not sure how, but I just knew. I also have two other stories, but they're shorter. I figured I'd tell them to see if anyone else has experienced the same thing. When I was eight years old, I was lying in my bed getting ready to go to sleep. 
I don't sleep very well, so even at this age, it took me forever to get to sleep. As I lay in my bed, I began to hear whispering. Now, I have no idea what was being said, because it sounded like another language to me. I lay there, listening for what seemed like ages. The whispers seemed to only get louder and louder, and eventually, I gained the courage to raise up in the bed to try to see what was causing the whispers. I raised up just in time to see this long, dark, black tail slither into my closet. I screamed for my dad, and he soon came running in to see what was wrong. I told him what I saw, not mentioning what I heard, and he looked everywhere in my tiny closet to find nothing. I was scared every day after that for a while, and I didn't go into my own room without the lights on. The next story happened when I was about nine. One night I was lying in bed, and I was suddenly awakened by more whispering. I started to listen as everything in me drew up into a knot. The voices sounded like they were coming from under my bed, but it wasn't just one voice. It sounded like two grown men whispering to one another. They just kept talking back and forth. As this went on, I was too petrified to get up out of my bed. I dared not look under my bed either. Suddenly, the bed began to shake and then started to bump up and down as if someone was pushing their back into the bed, making it raise up. This happened for a few minutes, and it felt like these two men were making their way down to the end of my bed. When the bumps got to the bottom of the bed, the whispers and the bumps stopped suddenly. I lay there in terror for a few minutes, waiting for whatever it was to come up from the end of the bed. Thankfully, nothing else happened after that. I finally fell back asleep, and luckily that never happened again. Thank you for listening to another unsettling episode of Unexplained Encounters. You can send us your story to have it narrated on the show at darkstories.org. Unexplained Encounters is an EerieCast original series. You can find other horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com such as Redwood Bureau, a fictional anthology series, Freaky Folklore, a documentary-style series about myths and cryptids around the world, Destination Terror, a show about the most haunted places, and Tales from the Break Room, another show I host all about the scary things that happen to people at work. Again, that's EerieCast.com. By the way, if you want fewer annoying ads and you want to support what we do, consider going to EerieCast.com plus to sign up for EerieCast Plus. That unlocks all our podcasts with all but host red ads removed. Until next time, stay safe out there and stay creepy. Because this world is a strange one.